hi there, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Cloud-Based Mayhem. Just got off the phone with Theo Warden. This has been a highly asked for pilot because he is 19 years old. Uh, he was actually in my little class that I did up in the Lakes District at Jockeys about a year and a half ago with uh, the Cross Country Magazine and Ed Ewing that Ed Ewing uh, organized for us, which was super fun. Uh, obviously a super talented uh, pilot. And he just got back from winning the Europeans, which is kind of like the world's, you know, super high caliber competition and, and a long one like the, the world's 10 days. So to keep it together for that long is super impressive. It was really tight all the way to the end, but he pulled off the win. And then they all went over to the uh, British Nationals and he won that as well. So unbelievable. I mean, to have that kind of success would be amazing in a career of being a competition pilot and he's done it at 19. And then right after that, he went to the World Cup in Sopot in Bulgaria, got a little bit of humble pie, did not win that one. So that was that was cool, uh, just to keep everything honest. And so we talk about all of that. We talk about how he did it, uh, the kind of the mental side of things, the whole um, mentoring program that the Brits have been doing with Guy Anderson and Russ Ogden and all those guys. Um, obviously, that's creating some amazing results, maybe something we should be doing here in the States and other places. So, um, yeah, a lot of we talk about flow and mental state and... Uh, you know, not making mistakes and being disciplined and all the things you got to do to do well in competitions. Uh, we also talk about his job a little bit. He repairs gliders and trims gliders with his dad. That's how they got, that's how they're funding things right now. He and his dad fly a lot together. And so talk about trimming gliders and the importance of it and when you should do it. So yeah, a lot of little good nuggets here that I think you're going to enjoy. And uh, without further ado, please enjoy this uh, great talk with Theo Warden. Theo, awesome to have you on the show. I've been stoked to uh, catch up with you and find out how in the world you just pulled off these amazing wins. Uh, so really psyched to, to talk to you about that. Uh, congratulations uh, to, to these uh, the British and the Europeans. I mean, you've already like had a had a, a lifetime of uh, of wins. You, you're <laughs> You're, uh, I'm super envious, man. That's, that's, that's super, that's amazing. And to have, uh, flown with you and done that little course we did a little over a year ago with Ed and the boys over at in the lakes yeah. with jockey and, uh, to see you pull that off was, was super cool. So yeah, man, congratulations. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks for having me, uh, having me on the podcast. Yeah. A lot of people have been asking for it. So it's, uh, you know, it's, it's cool to, um, uh, people are like, this dude's 19 and he just won Europeans and you won the British. Uh, so you got to get him on the show. So yeah, awesome. excited to talk to you. Yeah, thanks. Why don't we, uh, why don't we start with your history? Um, you know, because you are 19, right? Is that, do I have that right? Uh, yeah. 19. Yeah. So, um, you know, how long you've been flying, how'd you get into it? Uh, when did you start comps? You know, give us the, the resume version of your, of your career thus far. Okay, cool. So, um, yeah, actually the first time I saw pack diving, I have a little, a little story. Um, <clears throat> we, I live right on the edge of a kind of national park called the Peak District and where me and my family used to go into the Peak District for walks on the weekends to get away from the city just some time to relax. And we have this one ridge called Stanage Edge. And they used to, power guys used to just fly along this ridge for hours and hours while, whilst we kind of went for our walks. And you'd, you'd look up at them, <clears throat> you'd give them a wave, and then they'd flat the brakes and wave back. And I always, yeah, after that, I can, um, I kind of always thought of it as something that I wanted to do. And that was back when I was a super small little kid. So when um, my dad, Actually, he he wanted to get into it as well. He he was about 
around 50. Um, and he asked my mum if he if she wanted to get into flying. She tried it, didn't really enjoy it. So he went on to it and, um, yeah, I got trained up. And then a year later, um, the BHBA, the the kind of governing body of paragliding in the UK, they um, they changed the learning age from 16 to 14. So as soon as I as soon as I heard that, I applied to get a job. Um, I was just trying to save as much of my money. So as soon as I was 14, I could pay for equipment, training, and go on to uh, go on to learn. And I remember actually the first the first time I flew was I think the day after my 14th birthday. So I'd got everything sorted out, and it was yeah, man. After that, yeah, it was awesome. I can remember standing in the I learned in airways on the toe yeah, on, a, on a flat field. We got towed up. And the first time I can remember shaking and um, <laughs> feeling really nervous. But as soon as, actually, yeah, I remember as soon as we took off, it was only like 20, 20 feet above the ground. Just all the anxieties completely vanished. And I just felt super happy. And as soon as I was on the ground, I was just like running around. Yeah, as you would have, as a 14 year old would, it, it was absolutely awesome. So that was, that's kind of my like, my introduction into into paragliding um and since then yeah i've just been flying as much as possible so when i was in school i had the opportunity in like summer holidays where i could just spend all of my time like flying looking at the weather just doing any kind of preparation that i can um yeah and with competitions i think i've been flying around i think I think I've been flying around uh, one and a half to two years. I think maybe my first competition was when I was 15 or, no, I think it was 16. I was flying a Nova Mentor 4 when I was in the Nova Nova team. Yeah, that was San Andre in France, the British British Championships. And yeah, I did terribly, but it was just amazing fun because we have all these people that had come from kind of like all over the world and they all come meet in one place to fly all together. They all know each other really well. There's always lots of, you know, banter. And I kind of, ever since that, I just got hooked. It was partially the flying, but partially well, also the kind of the fun that you'd have with the people and getting to know new people and all of all of that. That's what I really enjoyed. So, yeah, um, after that, I, um, it, yeah, the addiction just kind of took over my life. And it went from going to school and flying to getting a job with my dad up at Aerofix. We service gliders and trim them and repair them, make sure they're all safe to fly. And that's my full-time job now. And pretty much alongside that, I try and do as much compass as possible and uh, fly as much as possible. And bet- between that, the uh, the British Championships when you were 16 and, and now, do you have a guess of how many comps you've flown? Um, yes, I actually looked, um, I looked this up the other day because there's something on a, on the C, CIVL website or CVIL website where it tells you how many comps you've done and which positions you've got. I think the last PWC that I did in Bulgaria was my 10th competition. Hmm. So the, tenth. um, so yeah, the Europeans tenth. were your eighth competition. <laughs> yeah. The Europeans <laughs> are my eighth. <laughs> Oh, Theo, there must be, there must be a lot of pilots cussing you right now, cussing and yet thrilled at the same time. That's amazing. That's amazing. Uh, thanks. Yeah. It's just, it's just been such an amazing experience. Like 
everyone in Paragon is just so friendly. And yeah, the flying is absolutely amazing. The views you get are amazing. I love this sport. And, and do you have, um, are there many other peers like at your age that you have, you know, you have buds that are, you're flying with that also got, cause that, that's quite unusual over here. We don't, we don't have many young people getting into the sport. It's been one of the challenges of, of Ushba, but you know, we're trying and trying yeah. to figure that out. I, like maybe tell me, tell me a little bit about, you know, cause I understand Guy and Russ have been pretty, yeah. pretty cool about creating kind of a juniors program. What is that? You know, what, what is it? Is it uh-huh. like official? Do you get? Do you get funds for it or is it just kind of a mentoring thing? How does that all work? Um, so I'm not too sure on the fun side, but yeah, we have the BPRA, which is the British Racing Paragu- uh, BPP, <laughs> British Paraguiding Racing Academy. And um, it's pretty much, yeah, a group of us where Russ, um, Guy, Idris and Malin, I kind of like Malin Love are the mentors and they kind of bring everyone together. Um, we do kind of like boot camps, um, SIVs, and um, yeah, competitions all together. And we um, they just try and get as many young people into it as possible to try and kind of make it easier. So they organize the uh, the SIVs and all this kind of stuff, and they try and subsidize it, which really does help because uh, I'm yeah I'm 19. I have a full time job. I'm I spent all of my money on paragliding, so I'm still pretty poor. Um, <laughs> so yeah, with with people my age, it's it's definitely getting better. So we have, yeah, we have quite a few now. So we've got like Jack Pimblett, he's really good. He's flying acro as well as doing competitions. Um, and he's, yeah, he's killing it. We've got Antonio. We've got a few other young people like Jack Bailey, um, Kevin Maynard, Laurie Nocter. Laurie Nocter is actually my... Um, he actually taught me how to fly at Airways. He was my instructor, and now we're flying together in competitions, which is, which is awesome. And he was in he was in the course we did, right? Wasn't he up there with us in the lakes? Yeah, um, Laurie. I, yeah, Laurie was actually there. I think he was in your other, other the other one, the other one. Yeah, I think he went yeah. just before us. Right, right. Yeah, no, that was epic. Good I love dude. That. Yeah. Did yeah. you like it? Good. Yeah, that was really fun. That was the first thing I'd ever taught. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> it was no a blast. way. Yeah, no, that was, that was, a blast. I mean, you know, as, I mean, you know, I do a lot of informal teaching, but I've never been a formal instructor, you know, that, yes. that kind of thing like that. So that was, you know, that was a real blast. And it's always just cool to share space with Jockey, you know, such a good Yeah, dude. of course. Yeah, he really is. Um, yeah, I think he's actually the new British team. Um, what's he called? Like the, captain or something? Yeah, British team captain, which I'm really oh. excited for. Can't really, can't wait until next year. So, very cool. And then, so, take me, you know, like when you when you jumped on a plane to go to the Europeans, you know, what what were your goals? What were your hopes? What were you, you know, were you were you hoping to win? Were you expecting, you know, were you expecting top ten? Were you just hoping for to have fun? You know, take take me through uh, that whole experience. And then also, I'd love to hear you know, like during the comp, what you were hearing from your mentors, what were you hearing from Russ? What were you hearing from, you know, like, Hey dude, keep it together or like <laughs> discipline or, you know, what, what were, what was some of the advice you got? Cause Europeans are long and it's like a world, you know, I mean, you, yeah. it's like, it's like golf. You really got to hold it together for multiple days. <laughs> you do. And, um, yeah, it's, I think it's about a 10, 10 day competition. And when I was, when I was heading out there, I wasn't really expecting anything. I think, um, cause one of the things I've learned from Guy and Russ is that, yeah, it's all about discipline and all this, but it's 
I kind of I feel it's it's all just fun, isn't it? Like we don't we don't get anything from winning. It's just the the experience of taking part, flying with your friends, having a good laugh, and a bit of obviously a bit of competition, being competitive. Um, so yeah, after the super final last year or this year, um, I've just tried to take the attitude of go to a competition and as relaxed as possible, uh, with a completely clear head, and just fly for the fun of it, really. And I think that's that's, that's what's been um, really helpful for me because I think when I stress too much about results. I just get completely stressed out. I'll crumble up proper. I'll, I'll really, um, yeah, I kind of like mess up the end or I won't be consistent. I think, um, yeah, that's, that's been the biggest thing to kind of help me. So listen to Russ and Guy and Idris and they've kind of, um, yeah, given us this idea of what, what flying should be. And um, so... I heard, I heard from some of your compatriots that, you know, you, like you just said that, uh, you know, you went in with this attitude of just trying to be really relaxed and, you know, taking it easy and, you know, just having fun. Were you successful at that? Um, yeah, I was. And, <laughs> okay. Yeah, I, was, I heard you got a little bit sick before both of those comps, a little, maybe some butterflies. <laughs> um, that, that was actually, it's quite a funny story. Um, I was actually ill during, during the Europeans. So I, I, um, it's a bit gross. So I had a, I had this camelback and I hadn't washed it for a while. So the first day I drank from it and then I got really ill. I was pretty much, I couldn't, yeah, I couldn't really do too much. I had to, um, actually, yeah, that day that I was really, really ill. I, um, they actually canceled the task. So I was in the HQ, um, this really lovely, lovely organizer called uh, Valentina uh, came and picked me up off the floor. I was laying down next to the toilets. <laughs> oh. Yeah. She, um, she just looked after me, which was awesome. Um, we ended up going to the doctors just really quickly to stick an IV in me and get me rehydrated. Um, and then we drove up the hill, ended up being canceled the day anyway, but, um, yeah. And then that gave me a chance to recover, but it was, it was really quite oh. full on. Oh, you were, you were just proper sick. I, I, I understood it that you were just, it was just nerves. <laughs> no, no, okay. it was, um, it was properly, properly um, fully dehydrated, properly illness. Yeah. I was watching the Europeans, you know, kind of each day and, and, uh, you know, you, you had some, you had some really nice strikes early. What, what, you know, mentally, where were you, you know, after the first couple of days, like, okay, what, yeah. what was the strategy? Did yeah, so, through the strategy of the whole race like did it change did it did you alter anything or was it always just like just go have fun yeah i think you know um my main strategy is uh have fun and just to be try and be as consistent as possible i'm i don't try and push too hard i'd only push if i have a really obvious opportunity and that's something that guy and russ have been teaching since the beginning so stay disciplined stick with the gag or um, just don't put any put yourself anywhere where you're going to be low and exposed so people can just pimp you pretty much you need to work with each other and do everything like as a gaggle because I feel like the gaggle does move the fastest and even if it doesn't go the most direct way it seems to find the more efficient um, efficient paths and uh, yeah so the, the during the competition none of the none of the strategy changed at all it was pretty much just the same thing every day. I, the first day, yeah, we landed out pretty much everyone in the in the British team. But I, I just landed and I, I laughed because it was just such a fun. It was such a fun task. We were blasting along this convergence, and the cloud, there were little tendrils coming down, and people were smashing through them. 
it was a really really good day it's just we were unlucky enough to um not get the next thermal and we all landed what was your what was your wing um you take me back to the the men, you were flying the mentor four in the beginning in, in san andre um yeah. how have you moved up how have you decided to move up and what are you flying now um so i'm flying an enzo three at the moment and yeah absolutely love it my my favorite wing i've had um i'd ever really it's just amazing to fly but yeah back to back to the nova and the mentor uh, so i i flew that first in san andre and I think I'm not too sure, but I think my maybe my next competition was on it, and then I went to Jamona, uh, which was a British Championships, and that was a week where we did a BPRA kind of boot camp, um, and I had the chance to fly a Delta Two, which after flying the Mentor Four was then my favourite wing, and then the next day I managed to fly a borrow a Peak Four. So the Niviak, the Niviak END. And yeah, I love that. So I kind of had, um, over, over two days, I went from an EMB to a C and then to a D, with two liner. And I ended up actually buying the Peak 4 at the end of that trip. So I went from, I kind of had a really quick transition, which I probably wouldn't recommend. But yeah, it felt, it felt supernatural at the time with um, taking everybody else's advice and being careful about it but yeah so that's how i i am um, moved up and then after that i flew the xeno the enzo Z, uh, ozone xeno and then onto the enzo so yeah I've, and that i think that's actually been in the last two years or one and a half years i think it's been pretty pretty recent a bit bit fast and then are you doing um tell, tell me about these boot camps what, what's that what does that involve um so it depends on the um, on how they set it up each year, but um, usually it involves Russ or Guy coming, and they'll pretty much they'll just bring us all together, say, right, this day we're going to fly this task, and it's going to be like a normal competition day. So we'll have a start, a course, and a finish, and then at the end of each day we would go back to a room with a TV, we'd load all the um, track logs onto a computer, and we'd play them back, and we could kind of look through, see what we all did, why we did it, and kind of analyze each bit as we go along. And yeah, it seemed to be, I think, it, yeah, it's a really good way of doing it. So you're not just, you can't, you can't say, um, you can't really blame anything else apart from yourself. Because if you make a mistake, it's obvious, we're on the screen, we can watch it. And mm -hmm. you'll, you can't run away from it. So <laughs> it's, um, it's quite good. It makes you come to terms with, with any kind of, traits or mistakes that you um that you have in your flying so yeah it's quite exposing how does that how does that align um with just your your xc flying like the north south cup for example or something like that like the um you know the, one of the things that i've been really battling in my own comp flying is I, like you, I had some, you know, kind of early success probably before, and I'm not mm -hmm. comparing myself now to you because you've been doing a lot of training, but my, my early success in comps was, was probably a lot of it was just luck and probably just taking it very, I wasn't serious about it. And, mm. uh, and then you would do well. And then, and yeah. then I started thinking, Oh, I could, I could do well. I should train at this. And then, yeah. then I lacked the discipline. I was constantly pressing out and, you know, just, I remember at the super final in 2012, you know, Russ came up and, and, uh, and, 
you know, and he was like, you know, discipline. That was, <laughs> that was yeah, his that's, word. And, that's his thing. <laughs> that's his thing. Yeah. And, uh, and so I've been really trying to kind of rejigger how I fly, but it really doesn't often totally align, um, with, with comps. I mean, it's, it's still hard for me to be, to be disciplined and it's hard to, um, I don't know. It's just, it's, my my best flying is done when I'm creative and you know I go for it and I try to take something yeah. deep, um, you know like in this last great example the last day of the of the Nordic Open that I just got home from, um, you know a bunch of us had scored really poorly because of uh, this there was a ton of pilots there not making nominal distance every day. So a lot of the days, yeah. you know, you'd make goal and it'd be like, you'd get 450 points kind of thing. <laughs> and so it was, uh, it was, it skewed things in a really strange way. Anyway, the, the last day, um, the really obvious line was, was way off course line. You know, there was this, you know, sure. the clouds were smoking over this ridge and, and, uh, and, two people went that way, uh, Ari and another guy, Louis, and, and they did, you know, they came in to go like 20 minutes ahead of everybody else. And it was, it was no totally the line I would have taken if I was just flying XC, but this whole like discipline thing is like, no, Gavin, don't leave the lead gaggle. Don't leave the lead gaggle. The lead gaggle will figure it out. And the lead gaggle, a lot of them bombed. Um, it was, it, it was really tough cause we took the wrong way. Um, yeah. and, uh, anyway, and, it, and it's been, a, it's been a really, it's been really interesting to try to kind of figure that out. And I just wonder if that's something that's happening in your own flying. Um, yeah, I think, yeah, I think paragliding is a lot. It, there is a lot of luck in paragliding because no one can see all of the weather. You could go to a cloud and it could, there could be no lift under it. I think there is a lot of luck in what we do. I think there's also making your luck um, is a big part of it. So kind of looking at the bits you can see, so the clouds, maybe the red, looking at some ridges, like seeing if there's um, any kind of darker fields out in the valleys. But um, yeah, I think most of my flying has been recently has been with um, like really high level competitions. So, and really high well, really skilled pilots. So it's been quite, quite easy just to, um, see what they're doing and trying to understand why they're doing it. Um, I think in that way, flying with, um, the people I've had the opportunity to fly with, it's been, yeah, it's just been pure learning. I've, I've not had too many days where, um, the league, I go, league, I fail, I kind of failed. I've had lots of days where kind of, the um the second gaggle will overtake and then the first gaggle will overtake again we've had a lot of kind of gaggle hopping mm. and uh, leapfrogging but yeah i think i've I, yeah i think i actually have been really really lucky in my um in my in my career flying career so far hopefully uh, carry on with it yeah and, and that's that's been kind of an interesting interesting thing to watch you see i mean obviously you see the consistency of people like you know mark watts and guy and russ and yeah. you know it's very rare that they're not up there in the top 20, you know, but, yeah. but you do see it. You, you still see it happen. Like Aaron Duragati won the super final two years in the row. And then last year he exactly. was in his, in the eighties, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's pretty interesting. And I, you get on these runs where like, you can't do anything wrong. Like, like Mickey yeah. Siegel this year, he just couldn't, he just couldn't um, get it wrong. And, and I heard from other people, I wasn't, I didn't go to the super final this year and I wasn't down yeah. in Brazil, the other one he won. And, but I, I heard that, you know, it was kind of like, he would take lines that other other people were kind of like, "Ooh, man, that's kind of," and it would work. It would it'd be like he, yeah. he would leave the gaggle and go do his own thing, and it would work. And it's yeah, yeah I'm, I'm finding amazing. it hard to really hit that 
<laughs> hit that right. Yeah, I um, there are just um, it's people like Arno who just I swear in previous lives they are they were birds. Actually, this one time in, in the Euros, there was this um, para, you know, how they do para hawking, one of those yeah. kind of um, hawks. They were, it was flying around, um, waiting for its, uh, it's like, I don't know, its master to take off. And um, it went and landed on Ono's head. I just, <laughs> I, I just thought to myself, like, there's something going on. Maybe he was just a bird in a past life or something, <laughs> if you believe, <laughs> if you believe something like that. Um, but yeah, it's, um, I, I don't, I don't know. I think um, I think maybe that comes with experience because um, there haven't been a, a huge amount of opportunities where I've thought, right, let's go for it and try and like gain twenty minutes on everybody else. But I think there's just some people can do it and they can do it really consistently and they get that flow where they can just kind of they can stay relaxed and do everything completely right. It really is just amazing to watch. So let's talk about flow because I've just been reading a ton of books and chick sent me high and all, you know, all the, all the, all this, there's a ton of information coming out about flow, Stephen Kotler's books recently and rise of the Superman and stuff and stealing yeah. fire. It's been, it's been quite fun. Are you doing training outside of just hours? Um, I think most of my competition, well, most flying has been competition recently and I've, I've been really busy with work and other commitments. So I've, I've not actually been flying a huge amount, but the flying that I have been doing has been, I think <clears throat> the right kind of flying is to just as many competitions as possible. And then it kind of gets me in the, uh, the zone. And I, I see, I think that's, uh, that's what helps. So if I'm flying competitions the whole time, you kind of stay in that flow. Apart from mm. in the, the last PWC I did, um, <laughs> yeah, that was um, definitely, it was amazing fun, but um, I didn't do too well. And it was still, yeah, still an amazing competition. But yeah, yeah I was going to, I was going to say, so you, you win the Europeans uh, and then you, you immediately win the British right after that. Does that put more, less, what were you feeling any pressure from that going into the world cup or could you, can you pin down uh, what went wrong in the world cup or was it just paragliding? You know, sometimes it just doesn't go right. Yeah. I mean, it's quite funny because uh, after the two competitions, I didn't, re I didn't feel really any pressure. Um, I think it's just it made me in love the sport even more. And yeah, there was um, there wasn't really a huge amount going through my head. Maybe I'm just just a bit simple. <laughs> but um, <laughs> yeah, I went to the PwC with just that e that eagerness to fly. Because you know when you know on those days where you'd like you, could, you bomb out, you're either in the me like, mentality of fuck, I've just messed this up competition is ruined or you're feeling like i absolutely can't wait for tomorrow i wish i was on launch right now about to take off for the next task and pretty much every day that i bombed in um in the pwc i had that attitude just, i can't wait to fly again mm. it was um yeah i've before when i was putting too much pressure on the on the results i never used to get that i always used to get frustrated and now it's just yeah i'm i'm really enjoying this uh this kind of carefree, a bit more relaxed approach to, um, to competitions. I think for my, my personality, it suits me. Mm. And, and was that, um, did that just come naturally or is that something you consciously decided or was that uh, feedback from other people? Cause I, I think a lot of people, including myself at times, <laughs> get that wrong. You know, you, you land and kick your helmet. God damn it. Um, yeah. you know, and it's definitely not, 
that's not the way to learn. Yeah, you, you know, the, absolutely the way to do it is like, that was amazing. I just had, I just flew, number one, that's amazing. And then I just landed, that's amazing. And I'm safe and that's amazing. And <laughs> yeah. it's all good. And then we get to go do it tomorrow. Like that's, this is incredible. That should, should be the attitude, but it's not always the one we have. And no, that's true. And I, I think um, I would land and then I would, um, I would just like take a few minutes to think about what happened to, um, if I land on my own, you have to think about like, why, why was I on my own? Why did I land? Um, what did I do differently? Um, Cause I think you have to think about it while it's still fresh in your head and just keep it in mind for the next few days, but don't let it like kind of drag you down. I think that's what kind of got to me um, is it used to just try and get in my head. And I was thinking, right, I have to fly good now, but really just treat each day the same. You just flying for fun, try and um, do the best you can and, enjoy it in the process i think that's that's how i've been doing things so i, I think it, it was um it was conscious i think maybe because over time i would have um i would have both both experiences and thing and then i would do better after a day where i was more relaxed and kind of eager to fly the next day because if i was angry i'd have this red mist and i, I think i the the, pre, the, uh, the days after that would wouldn't be as um wouldn't go as well for me or they wouldn't be as fun and then it would make make it even less fun because i'd get even more angry mm. yeah it's um i think like putting two and two together i just decided to try as hard as i can to kick out that negative emotion and just fly for the fun of it mm. let's uh let's switch switch here a little bit to uh your job um how how much is trimming gliders you know how often should we be trimming our gliders, you know, at the competition level? How much, how often are you tweaking your own? Um, what are we, you know, those of us who, because I, I, we just started doing that this fall and I've been, it's been quite yeah. fascinating. Um, tell me about that whole side of things. You know, how, how um, you know, you're flying an Enzo, how often should you be uh, trying to make that thing go better? Um, I, th I mean, when I'm, um, I, I actually trim my, uh, wing before every competition if I get a chance to if I go home uh, just to check that everything's as it should be and um, that it's um, that's the way I like to fly it before I uh, before I get on the plane and go and fly the competition uh, but that's because I have the opportunity to just go on a weekend and check my trim uh, for other people I've, I think um, just as much as possible if you're flying competitions and um you want to get the best result. I think at a high level, you need your wing to be on, on par or yeah, you need, you need to be as good as it could poss possibly be. Um, cause you know, you, you get those really long glides and if you're flying slowly, you won't be matching everyone's speed. Or if, um, if something funky is going on with the trim, your, your glide might not be as good or your climb might not be as good and you'll just get left behind. And sometimes it can be the glider. It's, it's, um, and that can get inside your head. So, um, yeah, I think definitely at least, um, once a year, if you're flying an Enzo, it, it definitely needs, or any comp wing, it depends on the comp wing, but, um, I think there are small things that change over time, especially as soon as the first, the first kind of 50 hours are quite crucial. I found, I find that the lines kind of, um, <clears throat> The way I see them is like they're, they're like a memory foam mattress. 
and when you get them brand new they've got no kind of um impression at all they're not they've not been used but as soon as you start using it they'll kind of shrink or stretch to their shape and then they'll kind of remain there for remain there more consistently over over time um is my experience Mm. um so that first 50 hours i think you really need to be looking at it because the first first 10 hours i flew my enzo is absolutely amazing and then after that i kind of just slowly started to get slower and slower and then i got to trim it and it was amazing again um Mm. so yeah it's interesting yeah it it really does make a, a huge difference between even even five millimeters can make a huge difference to the way the, w- the wing feels, and I wouldn't I wouldn't have thought that because I'd come from wings like the Nova where you could have like over the whole kind of um, the whole cord it could be the kind of twenty mil shorts at the back on the C's and D's um, compared to the A's, and it, it still flies okay. It's a little bit slow, and the handling's not as great. Brake pressure's a bit light, but um, on an Enzo, if it was like that, you'd you'd absolutely hate it. It'd feel completely different to how it felt when it was uh, when it was new, mm. and um, because it's such a gradual process, you might actually, might not actually recognise it. So um, yeah, back to the subject. I think we sh- you should get it checked as much as much as you can. Um, maybe um, send it to someone, or you can actually make your own trimming kit. It's not actually that expensive. You just need a laser. Um, like you can make your own kind of target and pulleys and make sure it's loaded five kilos every line when you pull it. Um, just get it checked as much as possible is what I think. Are there are there generalities you're seeing? Is I mean, they, they, from what from all the checks I've done, they they seem to always shrink. You know, the lines always yeah. get shorter. Okay, so is, is there yeah. is there is there generalities you're seeing between the A's? I mean, is it, is it, is it typically like, like if I brought you a 50 hour Enzo before you even checked it, are you going to be like, yeah, I can pretty much tell you what we're going to be doing here. Um, yeah, there's a few things I've, I've have a lot of experience with ozone wings just cause, um, a lot of people in the UK seem to be flying ozones and especially Enzo's or Zeno's. Um, so I can say that generally, um, the bees do shrink and um when you're flying well yeah yeah the bees the bees do shrink so you'll either have to um loop the a's or if they've got loops in the bees you'll have to release the bees or yeah and Mm. it's quite interesting so you'll you'll measure a wing and um it's not always just quite as simple as releasing a few loops it's um it's quite subtle so you've you've got the um yeah if you're into it a lot of detail, but um, it, there's there's some things that um, might need changing on one side, which might not be changing on the other, or oh, wow. some things might be asymmetric. Um, yeah, it's it's all changed. Everything kind of changes differently, and it depends on the wing and how it's been flown. Um, one of the things I have found on the the ozone um, ozone wings is they have a uh, a Dyneema loop that holds the the AR three. So it's kind of like you've got the main, the AR1, AR2, they're on the main riser block. And then you've got an extra kind of Dyneema loop that's on the, the holding the AR3. Um, on the Xeno especially, I found that that seems to shrink quite a bit, mm. which is kind of natural for Dyneema. Um, so Dyneema 
they, we kind of use in power gliding, we use two materials, Dyneema and Kevlar. Um, Dyneema is really good for strength, but it's um, not, it doesn't always do the best at uh, maintaining its length. Um, and Kevlar is really good at maintaining its like, uh, maintaining its length, but it's um, it gets weaker quite a bit faster, is what mm. I found. Mm. Um, so it's got this dynamic loop, and it, that kind of pulls the A3s down, AR3s down, and that can make the tips quite fast. So that's something you need to need to watch out for if you're flying an Enzo or a Zeno. Sometimes you can have everything slowing down, and then the tips relatively kind of speeding up. There's there's some there's some weird things that can happen. And that, that causes them to tuck a lot? Um, it can cause it to collapse a little bit. Mm. If the tips are too fast, they'll become unstable. Um, yeah, there's, there's, there's quite a lot that, that goes on. And I'm not a test pilot, but they, um, it's quite fun kind of taking these wings, trimming them, playing around, and then flying them and seeing how it makes a difference. Because it, it really can make a difference in the feeling. I'm sure. Just from a few millimeters. Hmm. Very cool. Um, so tell me about, you know, you, you, you go, you do these three comps, uh, you got your little bit of humble pie there at the end at the, at the world cup and so pot. Um, yeah. and so what, what does the winner look like to you? What, what, what were the takeaways? What are the, you know, obviously it sounds like you like flying even more than you did when you went there. Uh, yeah. so you're still super stoked about it. So what does that mean for the next kind of six, nine, 12 months? Um, yeah, I'm just really excited to fly as much as possible. Um, they have pretty much yeah, as, mo- as many comps as I can possibly do. Um, and also I want to spend a little bit more time um, flying just um, not competitions. So maybe taking people to tandems, um, flying together with friends. But um, I think in the, uh, in the next kind of year or two, I- I'd really like to get into either doing something like tandems commercially or doing some more, maybe getting into guiding, something along those lines that isn't really related to the comps, which I can have as well as, as well as the comps. And I might have this wrong, but I'm pretty sure you and I talked about the X Alps when we were up there together, flying around together. Uh, is that still something you're, you're interested in? Yeah, definitely. Actually, yeah, that's another thing I missed off the list. I really, really want to get into kind of the full biv scene, just because um, I love the idea of freedom. We could just take your wing and go absolutely anywhere. Just, just go for it. Um, but yeah, I just need to. I need to find the time really to uh, to be able to do that because everything's everything's a bit busy at the moment. I just need to get myself somewhere where I can go for it. Did, did you? Can I ask? Did you apply for 2019? Um, I'm, I'm definitely not fit enough to, um, <laughs> to to do anything like that. I've, I've yeah, I think you can run a marathon, and um, that's not even close to what the guys in the X Alps are doing. They're just like a marathon every day, and you need <laughs> yeah, like well, you know exactly, you know. So um, you tell me. I think it's just <laughs> a lot, a lot more physical than anyone has actually, who, and unless they've actually done it, anyone knows about. It's pretty extreme. Yeah, it's 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 pretty out there for sure. But but you know, if you if you apply, you'll and you get in, you'll be like, yep, okay, got to do it. <laughs> so That's true. I, I hope true. I hope I'll uh, see you in it in the in in one of the future years. That would be that'd be awesome. And you got yeah, you got plenty of time, obviously. So that, that's very cool. Apply. 
like yeah. you say, just go for it, just train. And so your your relationship with your dad, um, I met him when we were up there as well. Super psyched. He was, you could see, a very proud father. Um, is he still pretty pretty into flying himself? Uh, do you guys fly a lot together? Yeah, he, he's um, like me. He's not lost the passion. He, he absolutely loves it. So um, he's not as much into competitions as me. He um, he tried that out and he decided he wasn't as into it. But cross country is really where his heart is, mm. where his heart's set. Yeah, he, um, every time we get a, ha- get a chance to go out the uh, to the hill and uh, go XC, it's just yeah, you can tell he's uh, he loves it. That's uh, really what he's interested in. You guys, and, uh, you guys do any trips together? Or is it mostly in the UK? Um, it's mostly in the UK. Um, neither of us have had a huge amount of time this year, just because um, work's kind of exploded. We've had so much um, service work, but. Um, yeah, we want to planning in the future. We want to go away and do a bit more kind of volbiv together, something a bit, bit more interesting, and combining the two, uh, walking and and um, flying, which is kind of a passion we we both have, we both share. Mm. Uh, so yeah, mm. that, that's um, that's the plan for the future. More trips together. So Theo, I, I, you know, taking us back to the competitions, you know, and is you're only 19. You've had this amazing success there. Um, what would you like to pass along to the listeners about, uh, you know, what did you, what did you learn from it? What would you, you know, if you could go back to your Nova day and come back up to where you were, would you change anything? Mm. You know, what, what are the kind of the, the bigger takeaways about how to do well? Sure. I think, um, something that I've learned over time and I've had a lot of help from, I don't know if you know, Judy Ledden, she, um, she's a world record holder, um, ex women's, um, no, ex world champion and all this, all this amazing stuff. She's just an absolutely amazing person. Um, she's helped me out a lot with kind of the mental side of things. So, um, which actually I think is just as important as learning other specifics in competitions, like not putting yourself anywhere where you can be, uh, be exposed and used. So yeah, when it when it comes down to um, flying for me, it's I think it's, most of it is in my head. So if I'm having a good day, I'm relaxed, I'll fly a lot better than if I'm kind of a little bit worked up. There's something niggling on my mind. Yeah. So if you if you put yourself in a in a good headspot, good headspace, um, you've got yeah a clear head. I think that's really the days where I fly, I fly the best. And is there is there anything you do, you know, kind of consciously, like in preparation, you know, for a, a given day to to get mm. more in that headspace, you know, kind of work towards <laughs> that more flow state? Yeah, it's actually really funny. You just reminded me. So every day on the um, in the morning of the Europeans, we would um, me, the British team, and everyone in the in the team would come together and we'd do um, do some yoga, mm. and um, also some it's Hans sounds pretty out there but we'd uh, kind of sit outside our rooms we had the um all our rooms were kind of aligned um in our hotel uh, we'd come outside bring um, a little mat do loads of stretches um and then right at the end we'd have <laughs> a little meditation session so we would um sit down and uh, not think of anything just pretty much clean our minds as we had a few little techniques um which Malin Love and Jess Cox were taking us through. And I think stuff like that is actually really helpful. 
it sounds like it'd have no no connection in any way to like yoga and paragliding but um i think it was just something that was really enjoyable it got you feeling fresh um awake in the morning and uh, it just kind of led on to having good days that's great Did- were you still, were you guys as a team analyzing tracks after the races, like after the, at the end of the day too, or is that just too much? There's not enough time for that. There wasn't a huge amount of time for that in the Europeans. I think some days we had, um, well, we had days where we would come back and it was quite late, so we wouldn't really have the time. But um, yeah, it was pretty much just the um, the morning preparations would be really chilled. And then we'd go eat breakfast together and yeah. I think yeah, actually the company as well. The company throughout the throughout that competition and the Brits was just absolutely lovely. Like the people that we were with, the attitude, the mentality, everything was just absolutely perfect. They just couldn't have been asked couldn't have asked for any better um co- company at all. It's just really perfect. Will there will there be like a um like a team leader kind of thing. It it it's something like the Europeans, or does that only happen in the world? Um, I'm not too sure. I think this year we um, there was a complication with our team leader, so he, he couldn't um, couldn't make it. But usually there is. Just this year we were a bit unlucky. Hmm. Yeah. So next year we have we have Jockey Sanderson, which should be awesome. For the world, amazing. Yeah, he's great. Be just laughing the whole time. The uh, who whose contribution was that? Who decided to to bring that to the to the full? The the meditation and the yoga and and what was the? Yeah, it, it, in no way it wasn't um it wasn't official at all. It was just pretty oh. much Jess. Jess would go in the morning and she'd do some yoga, and then we all kind of we all saw and um, we all just wanted to join in. And then Malin contributed with the um some of the techniques with the kind of meditation and yeah so half an hour at 7 30 until 8 30 we would whack on some whale music um and just completely chill out stretch it and um yeah get get ourselves in the right headspace it was perfect mm, that sounds amazing um we're just chasing it flying flying and getting in that flow and it's just once you're there, it's absolutely, it's such an amazing feeling just being there with all of your friends flying together, all thinking the same. It's just, yeah. I've been listening to a lot of podcasts recently on, you know, on risks and you know, like the, that wingsuit jumpers take, for example, base jumpers and that sure. kind of thing, you know, where the odds are just really bad. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and, and yet, you know, that, that it, it really is this, um, you know, this flow state that we chase and this ability to, to really be in the now, um, and be incredibly present, um, is, is a very special thing. It's not something that a lot of people, something that everybody has experienced sometime in their life, whether that be in business and corporate and drive, you know, there's a lot of different ways you can, you can get there often just by mistake. Um, or as paragliding, you get there, very often not by mistake it just takes you yeah. there and and it's um it's you know it's one of the most powerful drugs there is and so it's no question i mean there's there's no there's no question why we why we do it why we go there because 
it's it's a powerful drug. It's it's it, it like you've, it really you've used is. the word addiction a few times, and it, it truly is. Um, so it's yeah, it's a it's an interesting line we walk though, and it's been it's been a um, it's been something that I've been thinking about a lot, and I, I don't know that any of us really have it sorted in a sense. It's just more <laughs> the the downside is certainly down. <laughs> it's it's an amazing sport. It's just it has obviously its downsides. I'm curious, is there is this something you guys talk about as a family much with your dad, with your mom? You know, is she concerned about you guys? Is or you know, is it, it, it's quite interesting. My my girlfriend Maddie is, um, you know, I mean, I think she's concerned in a way that you would just normally be concerned, but she's not really that worried about me. You know, and she yeah. she she finds that you know she, I, I think that. I have her convinced, and I am convinced of this myself, that it's not really a dangerous sport. I mean, you can participate um, for a lifetime and not get hurt. You just have to be super mindful every single time you fly that, that you know, this could be, you know, like this is the most important flight of my life right now, this one exactly. that I take. Exactly. And I think, I think if you have that kind of mindfulness about it, that there are no just, just you got to pay attention. Yeah, I think um, the people that, surround you do pick up on that so if you act reckless there's probably more more reasons to be um concerned and obviously maddie's picked up on you recognizing that the flight is the flight that you're flying at the moment is the most important in your life that's what you have to concentrate 100 percent of your your bandwidth on just flying and being safe and having fun and as long as you're you're doing it doing it right i think yeah you're right it's, it's not um, it's not the most dangerous sport in the world. I think you've probably got more like you're probably more likely to get hit by a car or, you know, you know, have an accident like um, tripping over and hurting yourself than um, than paragliding. <laughs> yeah. Theo, um, great stuff, man. I, I really appreciate it. And, uh, that's, that's a, that's a, that's a good place to end. Actually, you know what, before we end, I, I do have one more question for you. When you think back on your <laughs> five years of flying, <laughs> God damn, I can't believe you won those two comps, dude. That's so epic. Um, so when you think back to these, these five years, uh, you know, what's, what's just, what comes to your, what comes to mind, the most precious moment you've had in the sky? Um, I think it's just, yeah, all of it, but the, um, I think the most precious is just, there's no one moment. It's kind of just whenever you're, you're in the sky and you're just looking across and you can see your friends smiling and, um, you're all just doing the same thing. I think it is a really social sport for me. It's just absolutely, yeah. The social bit is one of the most important, I think. Mm. just mm. I, I love that i love flying with my friends and having a good time and then getting on the floor and talking about all the the shit went up that happened in the sky yeah awesome that's what i love yeah, the, the pair dribble i can't say maddie enjoys that very much but i sure like it <laughs> yeah i do feel sorry for the people that are surround us you know like we are just talking rubbish half the time <laughs> we are that's true that's true did you see that did you see that they're just like yeah <laughs> exactly <laughs> That's good.
Theo, thanks. I I really appreciate it. It's uh, it was so cool to watch, man. I I I am an ex contest junkie, and I you know I watch I watch these things because I'm I'm envious. I wish I could be there. And it was just so cool to like, whoa! I know that dude. What what's going on here? And that was that was just really exciting. And then to watch again in the British, it's like my God, he's having one. So um, again, congratulations! Uh, terrific to watch. Good luck at the at the super final and whatever you decide to do with the rest of this year. And uh, yeah, I hope to see you in the X Alps someday. That'd be a blast. But um, yeah, thanks for yeah. thanks for sharing your thoughts with us. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. I've really enjoyed this. It's been really fun. I appreciate it. Thanks, Gavin. Cool, man. Talk soon. I hope you enjoyed that. Uh, great to sit down with with Theo and talk about those wins in Europe and uh, see what the future holds for him. Uh, as always, all we ask for is a bucket show. This is a listener-supported podcast, and uh, there's been a ton of people supporting lately. So I guess that that kind of opener I gave a, f- a few episodes back just about why we've done it that way and why we decided to not use sponsors and advertising and stuff as uh, hit home a little bit. So really thank you all for reaching out and supporting that. Um, so we've got these bonus shows that are coming up here shortly on on the on the the Patreon. Uh, if you support via Patreon, uh, and that's patreon.com forward slash cloudbasedmayhem, you'll find the links on that for the website cloudbasedmayhem.com. Um, you get these rewards for doing that, you know, T-shirts and hats and other stuff. But one of those is these bonus podcasts that we do with uh, people that either support the show or, in this case, we've got one coming out with with uh, Paul Guschelbauer, who came through town a few weeks back. We had some pretty epic days. You might have seen that video up on YouTube that he did, and it was really good. Um, he gave a talk about the X-Alp, so that's on there. What? But the people that support us via uh, PayPal also have access to all of that. I just don't have a way to easily reach them. So if you support us via PayPal, just make sure, if, if you've done that, I've added you to the newsletter, so when, we, when these podcasts come out, you should get that newsletter, and I'll just provide the link in there. And that's just kind of on the honor game. I don't know that everybody on the newsletter is supportive of the show, but I don't really have a way to carve those out. So I want to make sure that you get those too if you if you've financially supported us through PayPal as well. So keep an eye out for those newsletters. I'll have the links to those bonus shows. And uh, yeah, that's it for now. We'll see you on the next one. Thanks for your support. And uh, yeah, appreciate it. Cheers. Cheers.